friends, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and we are back this week with you to study in section 88 of the Doctrine and Covenants. And Zach says this is his favorite section. Can you, Zach, can you tell our listeners about why this is your favorite episode? Or your favorite episode? Your favorite section? Well, we'll see if it's going to be anyone's favorite episode. But I just noticed, I don't know why I've never noticed this before, but um, it was received on our anniversary. So, so are you saying that's why it's your favorite? Well, it doesn't, ha- doesn't hurt. And are you telling the truth that you just noticed this? I am, actually. I just noticed the dates. I don't pay attention oh, to dates very so often. Oh, that's so cute. So December 28th. Was so that not must... 1832. We were not married in 1832. But... <laughs> that must be why it's your favorite section. You didn't know that all I didn't along. Know. But... Well, I do like, I mean, anyone who, I, I heard someone earlier this week say, if you doubt that Joseph Smith was a prophet, then you read something like section 88. There are a lot of sections in the Doctrine and Covenants that are uh, specific, even sometimes administrative, and reading them can be a less than inspiring experience. When he's listing individuals and the missions they're called to, or giving specific instructions to the bishop or the agent, uh, sometimes that's not very, it's not not, not scriptures you uh, write down or print out or put on a bumper sticker or hang up. <laughs> um, and so it's sometimes it's easy to forget that the Doctrine and Covenants is a collection of revelations. And even though some of those revelations might be focused on the governing of a church, you have sections like this, section 88, that are just transcendent in what they teach. And so I get lost studying section 88 because there's so much depth there. It's replete with doctrines, with principles, for me, with questions, uh, with phrases that inspire a further desire to study. And so I, I just think it's a really rich place to study uh, the doctrines of Christ. Well, and this is something that we've talked about as we were narrowing down what we wanted to talk about today, but just how broadly applicable that these mm-hmm. this that this section is as well. Um, it can be applied to missionary work to families to wards to seminary classrooms to really anything because it is which kind of made it hard to narrow down what we wanted to talk about in a 15 minute episode but which will make hopefully make your study um, even richer this week yeah well and I've actually studied section 88 in all those different contexts too I've studied it as a missionary uh, at the direction of my mission president and there's great application to missionary service. I've studied it in ward councils and applied it to working with the ward. I've studied it many, many times in a seminary class. In fact, Doctrine and Covenants year, we always start the year with section 88, some of the sections at the end where it talks about the School of the Prophets and how that school was organized. And, and so it's very broadly applicable, like you said. But what I love about it is it is, despite the, the not despite, but... Um, I guess, given that breadth, it has a singular focus. There is a desired outcome. No matter where you are coming at as you study section 88, I think the Lord has a very clear purpose in mind as the outcome 
of section 88. In fact, that's what we want to help you discover this week. Uh, it's listed right in the introduction. And just by way of comparison, if you remember last week's episode, we talked about the different divisions in the church. And in section 87, which was received just a few days before this, it's a revelation on war. The Lord says right in verse 1 that uh, this is about wars that will shortly come to pass. So section 87 is about war. And then, of course, section 88, the Lord, or Joseph Smith writes in introduction that this is the olive leaf plucked from the tree of paradise, the Lord's message of peace unto us. It's interesting to note the difference between what was happening last week as uh, we discussed section 87 and what's happening this week. So if you remember from last week, uh, it's probable, maybe even likely, that Joseph has read Uh, Church leaders, church members have read some reports in newspapers about discontent in South Carolina. There was a feud between South Carolina, South Carolinians, South Carolina. Someone message us and tell me if I said that. I think it's Linians. South, South Carol. Carol. Well, and certainly this wasn't a new, really a new fight. I mean, I think this was something brewing in history. Since the the revolution, right? Even before. So um, that was going on. And so Section 87 was questions about what's happening in our country and hence the revelation received about war. But in Section 88, it's not focused on those kind of external sources of war. It's now focused on internal sources of discontent. Joseph's living in Kirtland. There is a center of the church in Zion. And uh, the members, leaders of the church in Zion are writing to Joseph in Kirtland and criticizing him. We don't have many of those letters available, but we have Joseph's responses and the responses of other church leaders in Kirtland to those letters. And it sounds like the letters they're receiving are pretty harsh and pretty critical. And it's the beginnings of what will continue for quite a while and even up to the present day where church members seek to find fault one with another, uh, with Uh, church leaders, with church policies, with church practices. It's a very human thing to do, and it's happening in the church, and it's a difficulty. So that's possibly what's on the prophet's mind as he's seeking answers in section 88 is received. Well, and certainly as you see the organization of the church generally, and with specifically the School of Prophets, like you mentioned, I think as anyone organizes or gathers or tries to create something, something you have in mind is harmony and peace as you try and create something. So certainly I'm, I'm sure that was on his mind as well. Well, that's exactly right. Um, in fact, Section 88's two separate revelations, uh, they're merged together, but there's the December 27th, 28th revelation, which is verses 1 through 126. And then there's the January 3rd revelation, which is verses 127 to 137. So if you go to the end of the first revelation received probably on December 28th, the second to last verse is, Above all things, clothe yourselves with the bond of charity as with a mantle, which is the bond of perfectness and peace. The Lord's desire for us as we study section 88 is to teach us principles of peace. Last week, we talked about how to be at peace within yourself, despite the divisions around you. This week, we want to level up. My kids have started using that phrase, so we want to level up and ask the question, not how can I be at peace despite contention or difficulties around me? It's how can I actually foster peace 
in the world around me? How can I create peace in my family or in my ward or in my neighborhood or community or mission district or seminary classroom? How can I create peace? Well, as we asked ourselves that question as for this study and as we wanted to make this applicable, um, I loved seeing how last week's episode, the end of section 87, really just led right into section 88, the beginning. If you remember, the end of section 87 was that verse of stand ye in holy places and making sure that we have that peace within us in order to withstand the division and strife that's around us. And the very beginning of section 88 starts talking about the Comforter and the Holy Spirit, um, starting in verse 3, Wherefore I now send upon you another Comforter, even upon you, my friends, that it may abide in your hearts even the Holy Spirit of promise, which other Comforter is the same that I promised unto my disciples, as is recorded in the testimony of John. This Comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom. I just always love the thought of keeping the spirit as a close ally in our lives as we continue to try and keep that peace within ourselves, but also as we decide and as we try and create peace around us and create peace in those organizations that we're trying to to organize and get together. Well, and this is a, an, an actually a very insightful and I think... Um, it seems so simple to say, well, the way to create peace is to have the Spirit with you. But it runs quite contrary to what most secular wisdom would say about peace. If you read self-help books or any kind of book that's focused on organizational success, which is founded on having an organization that works peacefully together, a lot of it is filled with tactics and behaviors and strategies, how to organize a group, how to uh, present yourself in such a way that you're received well, how to facilitate interpersonal discussions. And all of that is helpful. But what you're saying is the first step to creating peace in the world around me isn't actually to try and create peace in the world around me. It's to acquire peace within me. Yeah, and that's really essentially what I was really inspired by last week's study. So I love that it continued on this week. Reminds me, a couple of years ago, I read a book that I would highly recommend to anybody. It's one of my all-time favorites. It's called The Anatomy of Peace. And the thesis of the book is um, that the way to solve pretty much any interpersonal conflict isn't by addressing the other person or fixing what's wrong with them. It's by wrestling with your own heart. The book uses a phrase repeatedly called having a heart at peace versus having a heart at war. And there's a fictional story told of a father who has a teenage son that's rebelling and the father takes this teenage son to a camp where the camp is supposed to fix the son. But instead, what they do is they fix the father. And they help the father see that in his interactions with his son, he has a heart at war. He's filled with frustration and disappointment and animosity. And so whatever he says to his son is filtered through that heart of war. And the son can sense it. And if you have teenagers in your home, you know they're especially sensitive, not 
to what you say. Sometimes they're completely deaf to what you say. But they're especially sensitive to how you say it, what you're feeling. They are very well attuned to what adults are feeling when they say what they're saying. So you can say the nicest thing to a teenager, you know, I'm so glad you're here. But they can tell if you really mean it that you're glad that they're there or if you're sarcastically saying you're glad that they're there or if you're actually disappointed that they're there. They can sense that. And so the whole book is focused on the way to solve a problem with your wayward teenager isn't to solve your wayward teenager is to solve you. Now, I love that principle, and it's phrased in kind of a secular way. But as I studied this week, and as we counseled before we started, I found, I think, a doctrinal reason why that is. It's actually almost a, a tangible reason why that is. And it's here at the beginning of section 88. So if you'll follow me with a little scripture chain. You started, Krista, in verse 3 where the Lord promises to send a comforter. Then, if you read carefully, he creates a list of synonyms. In other words, he says, this is this. And so if you jump down to uh, verse 6, he's talking about about the Savior, about Jesus Christ. And he says this, He that ascended up on high, as also he that descended below all things, in that he comprehendeth all things, that he might be in all things and through all things. And then here's where the synonyms start. The light of truth, which truth shineth. This is the light of Christ. So the light or truth is also the light of Christ. When we say light of Christ, it could be synonymously said that we're talking about light or truth or Uh, In some ways, this comforting spirit that the Father sends. Then, if you continue on in verse 7, which truth shineth? shineth. This is the light of Christ, as also he is in the sun, and the light of the sun, and the power thereof by which it was made. So light equals truth equals power. And then he goes on the moon and the stars, and then verses 11 through 13, I think, is where we really hit gold. And the light which shineth, which giveth you light, is through him who enlighteneth your eyes, which is the same light that quickeneth your understandings, which light proceedeth forth from the presence of God to fill the immensity of space, the light which is in all things, which giveth life to all things, which is the law by which all things are governed, even the power of God who sitteth upon his throne, who is in the bosom of all eternity, who is in the midst of all things. In other words, light equals truth, equals law, equals God's power. All of these words are used to describe something that God has. And if you go to section 131, uh, there's a description there that says that all things are matter. There's no figurativeness to this. So there is something that God has that is actually tangible. Even though we may not be able to see it or feel it with our natural senses, God has something that is called light, truth, law, and power. And he gives that to us and it enlightens us. It gives us light, helps us to see things clearly, and gives us comfort and peace. And so the science behind this heart of peace is, the, the, the spiritual science, if you will, is if I can receive from God more of this light, truth, 
and peace, so that I am filled with it. As section 88 will go on, we can grow in this light and truth until it fills our whole body. If I can grow in that light and truth and peace, then when I am with other people, when I'm talking with them, that light is contagious. It spreads to them and it starts the process of their own growth of light and truth and peace. And so to bring it all back, the way to create peace or one way to create peace in the world is to acquire ourselves light, truth, law, power, comfort from God himself into our own hearts. Well, and to continue on with that scripture chain that Zach shared of all of those just such beautiful words, those that light and spirit and truth and all of those things that we're seeking. Um, I love the invitation that we get in verses 62 and 63. And again, verily, I say unto you, my friends, I leave these sayings with you to ponder in your hearts with this commandment, which I give unto you, that ye shall call upon me while I am near. Draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. Seek me diligently, and ye shall find me. Ask, and ye shall receive. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Um, so many beautiful promises in that, in those verses that um, as we seek light, as we seek truth, as we seek the Holy Spirit, as we seek God, that he is going to give us those things. I think that's exactly what you were talking about, Zach, that as they grow, as the light can grow within us. And I think that invitation is exactly what um, the Lord wants us to do, is that is exactly what he means draw near unto me and I'm going to give you more. And I think that's a beautiful way to start to have more peace and foster more peace around us. Well, just to end where we began with verse 125, above all things, clothe yourselves with the bond of charity, which I've wondered is this uh, pure love of Christ that we talk about, this charity, is it synonymous with light and truth? In other words, if we are filled with God's light, i.e. his truth, his law, and his power, we will naturally see people more the way he sees them because we're filled with the light that he's filled with, that light that enlightens our understanding and makes things discernible to us. So to uh, clothe ourselves with the bond of charity, which is the bond of perfectness and peace, and then the concluding verse, pray always, that you may not faint until I come. Behold and lo, I will come quickly and receive you unto myself. Amen. Well, if you haven't got the message through what we've said so far, that we do like section 88, and I think it is indeed Zach's favorite section, um, we do hope that this begins a great study for you this week as you study in Doctrine and Covenants section 88. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.